This is Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Sinell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hello, thanks for joining us here on Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford here with Mark Sinell. Hi, Mark. Good morning. And Tracy Bannon. Hi, Tracy. Uh, Hey there. So our guest today, Tracy, is a return guest. She's Senior Principal, Software Architect, and DevOps Strategic Advisor at MITRE. Did I get it right, Tracy? You did. It's such a long, goofy title. I mean, (laughs) I just want to say Tracy Bannon is just like all around badass. So I'm going to retitle you. How about that? I'm Um, I'm, I'm game. I'm game. (laughs) Let me put that on a card. Just telling you. Yeah. And as well, you're an ambassador for the DevOps Institute. Mm -hmm. And we had you on a few weeks ago. We talked a little bit about a conference that you just recently, it was your brainchild. You facilitated it. Straight, straight talk. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Okay. And that's, that's what we want to talk about today, which by the way, the conference is still on demand. You can go rewatch these sessions that we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I want to just start with Tell us how it went overall, Tracy, and uh, what was some feedback that you've been getting from attendees? Overall, it went very well. Um, over, we didn't expect the spike in folks who are registered for it, and the um, even day of or during special sessions when folks saw the different sessions were happening, we're getting um, real time registrations happening and people joining. Uh, I think there's such a thirst uh, for going beyond the technology, right? And and that's what this was all about is is taking a step past the technology. Um, I think overall it went very well. The feedback that we're getting um, has been, I want more. Um, Can I meet with X, Y, Z, right? I want to talk to Brian directly. And so folks who have done the different sessions or they want to talk to Dawn or they want to talk to Lanier, they want to meet up and they want to keep going, which is exactly what we wanted to have happen. We wanted to start those organic connections with people. Excellent. So, Tracy, what made Straight Talk for Government different than other events that you participated in? Um, So let me track it back to why it was so passionate to get this going in the first place. Every every time I deal um, with a government sponsor, the government client, They'll often say, I need to, I need to do some DevOps, right? I need to be like this group over here. And it's almost always, almost exclusively pointing at something in the commercial area that's kind of a shiny quarter organization. Hey, I want to be like Netflix. Well, do you really need to be like Netflix? Like what's important about that? But there's also a focus on the technical pieces of it. And I can go and I can get an excellent Udemy course. I can uh, go to Cloud Guru. I can get really awesome technical advice on how to accomplish the building of the pipeline. But what's missing is the front matter, the architecture, the engineering, and oh my goodness, the people, the processing and culture. Because I always say people, process, tech, culture. So the, the underpinnings of this was to pivot away from the technical pieces and start to build out a community that is really focused on opening the doors with government and with industry and with academia, we've got to make sure that everybody is on level set. What are the real problems? What are the challenges? How is it similar? How is government similar to industry? And how is it different? 
Because in understanding the differences and in opening the door up and letting industry know, letting academia know, they're going to help us solve those problems that much more. And we're going to build this cohesive set of examples, real examples that have to do with government instead of, I want to be just like Netflix. I want to be like Carnival Cruise. I want to be like whomever. Fantastic stories that they have uh, isolated, but I'm not necessarily in the government space going to deploy 50 times a day to a jet, for example, because you know on the defense side, there's a lot of interesting things that have to happen before I can just hit that deploy button. So that was the that was really the the, the kickoff moment for this, or the catalyst was trying to change the dialogue um, and really having talked to so many people in my network, talking to my sponsors, my clients on a day to day basis. It has just become so obvious over the last, especially the last two years, that there's a need um, to to bring real examples forward. So listening to some of the discussions that were said, um, it, did you find that did you find that you were hearing pressure points that come up time and time again? I guess this goes to the culture aspect um, that that I think you were wanting to address. Well, what was interesting was that um, um, because it was a remote conference um, and that was intentional, a virtual conference. We did, um, uh, I would say about 75% of the sessions were recorded within a couple of days ahead of time to make sure that we didn't have too many glitches. Um, and there's a, a, a really excellent crew that the DevOps Institute had put together that was helping us. And they were leading these through. And when one of these, a young woman came to me outside all of these recordings and said, wow, you know, I'm, I'm not a technical person and I don't work at the government. She said, but boy, the theme of culture is everywhere. And so this was somebody independent, totally outside this domain, not a techie, who heard that loud and clear in talking to each one or in listening to each one of the sessions. Um, not everybody was there to talk about culture, right? We talked about leadership styles. We talked about acquisition. We did talk some tech. We talked about metrics. We talked about all kinds of different things. But the common thread was muscle memory hurts, right? It gets so strong and changing muscle memory takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a couple of change agents thrown in the mix to make that happen. I mean, acquisition and government kind of is a culture. I mean, it has its own, it has its own, <laughs> yeah. it has its own, you know, we did a, we actually did a training session, uh, kind of a one-on-one on acquisition. So that people understood so many small businesses or so many um, startups, right? They have fantastic, amazing ideas, they should be helping the government. And they also need to understand that the way allocations are happening, the money that we're spending on tech right now was approved two years ago. And the money that's yeah. getting approved right yeah. now for the government will be spent in two years. So people need to understand those kinds of crazy things that you never think about. You know, I just think I've got a really great idea. This is going to help the warfighter. This is going to help the taxpayer. This is going to help, you know, the CDC. Well, yes, and it has to, we have to figure out how we make that happen, you know, credibly and quickly, um, but within right. those budget cycles or, or change the policy, right? Or change how acquisitions happen. And there's some good things happening in that way. Changing yeah. acquisition processes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. There's uh, something called the adaptive uh, acquisition pathway. It's created about two to three years ago, um, at least. And it's all about uh, changing it from being these waterfall approaches where you've got 
you know, tens, maybe thousands of requirements all set down, forecasting what you need for three or four years, breaking it down so that you can do things in a more lowercase agile, a more nimble fashion. So how can I buy features instead of systems? How do I no longer buy a project, but I buy a capability that inserts into my program? It is a, it is a different way of thinking. It really is. Is it fair to say that the acquisition processes in general really were developed 200 years ago? And a lot of them don't necessarily, they don't serve us anymore. Some of them still good, or, or is, am, I, am I simplifying it too much? Um, it, is, it is so complex that I have folks that I turn to that keep me walking the, the straight and narrow. I am not an acquisition specialist. Mm. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of like living in a house with uh, your parents are techies, so you just know the language, or your parents are uh, a doctor or a nurse, and you know the language. So I'm, I'm around it. I'm associated to it. I've worked, you know, put together RFPs and responded to, you know, the, to the acquisitions. Um, the intentionality of it has always been to make sure that there's fairness. It all, all of the acquisition, right. all of the scaffolding around it comes down to mandating or legislating or policying to force people to behave well, to force people to not collude to force there to be equality. And and so it's like many things that we do, right? We we start out with a good idea that we should probably narrow this down and make it an even playing field. And then we have to add on to it. And then we have to add on to it. And then we have to add on to it because people come up with interesting and new ideas and ways to skirt things, right? Um, It's... I think there's some goodness there. There definitely is goodness there. There definitely is, especially when we think about some of the the laws that we should have and do have uh, about foreign trade, right? Mm -hmm. I can't automatically Mm -hmm. allow a foreign country to uh, provide technology to the federal government, right? That would not necessarily be in our best interest. Interesting article that even came out today uh, that's talking about an assessment that was done of our power grid. And the number of foreign components, Chinese components in specific, that are part of our core power grid. Well, goodness, imagine it, our tech, right? What pieces of technology are coming from foreign folks? It's going to yeah. get people's attention. It already has, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll have to get the name of that article from you so I can cite it in our show notes because I'm gotcha. sure our audience is interested. So I, I love what you said Coming from industry, if you don't know government well, it's easy to have this knee-jerk reaction of, well, acquisitions process is just stupid. Um, They don't deploy, you know, 50 deployments of code a day. And you, what you just said, you're like, well, there's a reason we don't deploy 50 deployments of new code to a fighter jet a day. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, this idea of bringing industry and government together so we can understand the different cultures. Mm-hmm. It's not all bad. What you just said, there's some goodness in there. Let's keep the goodness. Oh, absolutely. This is not a, this is not a negative government is bad mm-hmm. or industry is bad. It's actually the opposite. The opportunities are endless for us to work together. Now, industry has been working with government. This isn't as though it's brand new. Right. But the upstarts, all of the new, um, gosh, the number of folks that are coming out of universities, the number of folks who are working in one field and have an amazing, bright idea, it's not all about the big firms. And in some areas of government, 
not all of it, but in some areas of government, it's been the big players for a long time. And the big players, whether they're big system integrators or whether they're, you know, um, some of the big defense contractors, well, they have entire departments that are specialists in acquisition law. They have entire departments that understand, you know, how to engage in protocols. That's a lot different. So if we can open the door, keep providing that aperture for smaller, private, right, startups, academics, whoever, to get in the mix with this, we're going to have better results. Now, that also means that we have to really pay attention to security, cyber risk. We have to, you know, make sure that we're very laser focused on understanding lineage of software. In one conversation that we had was about something called SBOM, Software Bill of Materials. People mm-hmm. are probably aware of some of the things that happened this spring with there being bugs or backdoors with solar winds. Well, if I think about open source and how beautiful and wonderful open source can be, I also need to know who's contributing to that open source. So it's not, right. even though my best friend is, is, is you know, living in a foreign country, and what they intend to do with that piece of code is provide goodness. We, as the United States, as a government, especially if we're talking about securing the sovereignty of our nation, have to double check. Why was yeah. that code change made? What's the lineage of that? So there's, there's a lot of goodness because we shouldn't be throwing out open source. We should be embracing it. Uh, but with, you know, making sure that we're dotting exactly. our I's and crossing our T's. That's all. Yeah. So you said... This collaboration between industry and government is not new. What did you do at Straight Talk that would be good to carry over or what lessons might other conferences take from Straight Talk to facilitate this open collaboration even more? Um, I'm hopeful that we're able to take forward the asynchronous conversations, whether it's a Slack channel, whether it's Mattermost, right? Being able to not send emails back and forth, not necessarily always have to pick up the phone, but be able to have that async community conversation where we're tagging things and we're going back and forth and we're jumping in and weighing on each other's conversation. That has started. And that's something that I would like to definitely see move forward. Join in the conversation. It's transparent and open. Um, and I think that's a, a goodness for all of this. The second part will be listening to the different voices. I sought out voices that hadn't necessarily been heard, but I knew their messages. I had heard their message, but I hadn't heard it broadly yet. So some of the, some of the content was from folks who had not yet been on quite as broad a stage, but need to be. So there's some advocacy that I'd like to see the people who are putting together the different sessions, they're putting together these different conferences and trying to shine the spotlight in a number of different places. Tracy, if, if you could, if you could summarize two takeaways from the event, what would you, what would you say? Oh gosh, two takeaways. Just yeah, couple of, kind of, couple <laughs> of, of things, things they jump out. Or um, 10, or 10. Um, so I hate the term. So we've said the word culture. We've sprinkled the word culture. I would say the one thing that, one of the things that needs to jump out is it's not about culture change. Because if you say to me, hey, Bannon, Trace, you need to change your culture. First thing I do is my head starts to bob a little bit and I get a little bit of an attitude like, excuse me, I need to change my culture. But if you say to me, Trace, 
let's, let's get together and let's figure out how we together need to move forward. What we're talking about is culture building and it's a joint thing that we're bought into. So that's one of the, probably one of the biggest takeaways of all of this is it's not about changing culture. It's about building a world together. It's about building a professional culture together. I think that that's, that is the number one thing that, that came out of all of this. Um, I think the second thing is it's okay to go to debunk um, myths, urban legends, tech legends, DevOps legends. It's okay to look at those things and say, maybe not. What I'm bringing up there in specific is uh, as a friend of mine, Brian Finster, um, has, was working with a global retail corporation and then has uh, looking for a bigger challenge, something even more complex, and has started to work with the Air Force. Uh, and he and I have Nash uh, and talk at least once a week about things that need to change. And where he's really landed on is the weaponizing of metrics, the weaponizing of how you measure. People talk about DevOps and they're like, oh, I need your burn down. I need to know your velocity. Are those really the right metrics? Are those really the things that we need to be focused on? And they'll look at some of the wonderful industry um, publish publications like the Phoenix Project, Accelerate. They'll look at the DORA publications and they'll say, oh, we just need to, we need to apply the DORA metrics. And what Brian took away and what brought, or should I say what Brian brought to the table was that we need to question this. Um, so I, the second big takeaway is don't be afraid to question because it's, it's good to question and it's good to have that diversity in the conversation, diverse thoughts to get to a better answer. So, so speaking of the Air Force, mm-hmm. um, one, of the, one of the sessions that, um, that you had at your event was uh, by Major Alston Bryan uh, from Platform One, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, the subject of the, of the, of the uh, I guess, session was, it's not about the tools. Can you explain a little bit more about that, what, you know, what that was all about? Oh, you bet. So Austin is the chief operating officer. Uh, and he's been there since the beginning of it. And now they have over 250 people, um, acquisition and engineering teams, all responsible uh, for delivering Platform One and the, the, the services that they're providing. And in, that, in his role, you know, he's delivering to all four military branches. So Platform One is Air Force, but it's Air Force and. Uh, he really wanted, he was really passionate. To, and he was one of the first people who said, I really want to be a part of Straight Talk. Yes. We wanted to talk about manpower um, or people power, whatever we'd like to call it, whatever is you know, appropriate there. Hiring not being the biggest problem, but how do we retain? How do we retain talent if there's not a career path? Uh, in the Air Force, uh, you, know, you may rotate. I may have uh, uh, six months working on something that I love and it's amazing. And this is where I want to go with my career from a technology perspective. And then I'm rotated because that's what happens. So he was really passionate about talking about career path to help with the retention, developing, moving people from being uh, entry-level developers and helping them with a career path that gets us to those mid-level and, and, and senior-level architects and engineers because the demand is high. The experienced higher numbers are not as high as what we want them to be. Um, second thing that he talked about was acquisitions, just all over acquisitions. Um, now, we didn't talk about the colors of money because that would be really huge. 
but modular contracting mechanisms and doing active market research to understand different approaches to acquisition and being more dynamic about it, not having a four-year run-up to it. What? How do you get the smaller tranches, smaller acquisitions, multiple smaller acquisitions? And the third thing just blew me away. And I think this really lines up with some of the things that we've been seeing, you know, post in uh, LinkedIn post, uh, you know, the chief operating officer or the chief software officer rather has resigned, put in his resignation. Um, and what is really a common theme across what Austin was talking about as his third point and on Nick's resignation is leadership style. What changes when you're building software? You know, command and control type leadership is absolutely core. It is central to military. But a lot of times when we're building the software, it's not the same life or death situation. It will be used by warfighters in a life or death situation. However, that's not the same style that you need to use as a leader. It's a much more flattened. There's a lot more autonomy given for decisions, decisions to be made at a more junior level. And those are the three big things that Austin really wanted to talk about, that manpower, uh, you know, the retention of manpower, you know, looking at creative and innovative uh, acquisition alternatives and, and helping to evolve leadership styles. Well, that was interesting. Kind of goes on the major, uh, the, the broader themes that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are great. Well, and it, so I, I'm a yoga instructor, so I saw that you had some yoga sessions and I got to say that took some moxie to put that into your <laughs> conference. Talk to me about that. I would love to claim that as my idea, but I actually learned it from my buddy, Jane Grohl. She's the CEO for the DevOps Institute. Um, and in their monthly, they call them skill up sessions or about a half a day. Um, there's always yoga it starts the day with yoga. And then it ends the day or ends the, the event with a little bit of mixology. And we did the same thing. When we first started talking about this, somebody said, we can't have that for government. I said, well, wait, if we're talking about sustainability, if we're talking about building culture together, wellness has to be a part of it. So no, we're going to leave that in. And it was surprising the number of folks who joined in for yoga. I can tell you that I was on the floor behind me without my mat. I didn't bother to run down and get it, but I did my yoga and I have the recipe printed off uh, that we used for mixology. <laughs> so it was a, both an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic uh, drink, but it was, it was, we have to make this relevant. It has to be, our lives are not, um, I think of the old school when my grandfather would go to a factory and he'd work in the factory and then he would leave and he would change his clothes and wash himself off and be a very different evening than during the day. And I find that for me, my day and my evening and the things that I'm interested in, they kind of blend because we're working in tech. I, I don't think my experience is unique. So why don't we bring a little bit of that wellness to the table? Why don't we take 20 minutes and do some yoga together? Why not? I, I love that. Like I, yeah. amen. Um, <laughs> well, and I, I was thinking about the same thing, you know, our grandfather, my father, you, you work home play. You do not mix ultimately. And especially in government, I've said this many times, nobody goes into government for the paycheck. We mm-hmm. go into government because we believe in the mission. We believe in making life better 
for our families, our friends, our country. We got to make that part of our daily life, right? And you did that with the yoga session. (laughs) So I, I mean, amazing. I love that. I'm glad. I'm glad. And hopefully you joined. And, and if not, you know, there's, it's, it's recorded. You can download it and you can record it. You can watch it again. Hey, Mark's done yoga with me. I've done it before with our, our team. And, um, he has joined right in. It gets people, it gets people, um, it's more conducive to talking and get, gets the blood flowing. Mm -hmm. It relaxes people. So that, you know, I think it's, I agree with you hundred percent. I was scared to death. So my first meeting with the whole team, I started the meeting with, we're going to do some yoga. And I'm telling you my heart, I was not in a yogic state. Um, (laughs) My heart was just pounding, but the team did it with me and they asked me to do it again. So Mark, that is on our to-do list. Well, All think right. about it. I mean, Carolyn, I, I look at it in maybe a little bit differently these days. May, I think I would have been a little less likely earlier in my career. And it's probably because I'm a little bit older, right? I'm not 22. I'm not going to tell you that I'm much older than that, but I'm just going to claim that. When I, the people that I work with all day long, there's a reason that you call somebody a work spouse. Now I'm polygamous in the workplace. I just got <laughs> need to put that out there. And gender makes no difference and gender identity makes no difference. I'm all over the all over the board from that perspective. But if I'm spending that much time with you, we should get to know each other and we should do things to help us build our bonds because it's important for us to have a trust relationship and trust is based on credibility, right? Bring what you have to the table, bring that opinion, bring honesty but it's also built on intimacy and intimacy is time together. So if I'm going to build intimacy and if we want to have this kind of community, right, doing those types of things helps break that down. This isn't, you know, we're going to go all learn how to do a high ropes course together. This is something a little bit smaller. We don't have to have a weekend away for a retreat, but an hour over the holidays um, we did um, last Halloween Mm-hmm. We decided to get everybody together and it was man, it was mandatory costumes. And it was fun to see my enti- one of my entire teams <laughs> on, on, on MS teams with, every, you know, you got the pirate and you, you know, you had somebody Mark, dressed we're in a doing funny that. suit. Yeah. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, but, I love it. And yeah. it, it is, it is, you know, we're talking about culture and, and making a culture where people want to stay and retain talent. And this is how we do it, where we're human mm-hmm. with each other. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to get to, instead of tech talk, which we did with you a few weeks ago, we're going to do straight talk. And you mm-hmm. already, you already touched on this subject. So I think it was last week or was it two weeks ago, Nick Shalon, he Jerry McGuire'd us. He Jerry Maguire to Mark, and I am reading this manifesto, and I literally like my jaw would drop. I would close it, and then it would just keep on dropping. I'm like, he did not, no way, and woohoo! So I would love for you to talk about that manifesto. Sure, and I'll 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 put out there that this is my personal opinion on it, right? My my personal experience in reading that and having worked in government and with government for so long. Nick was heartfelt. I believe heartfelt. And I have the opportunity, the luxury of working with Nick every other week, um, meeting with him. And so getting to know him, not as intimately as others may have, but getting to know uh, how he thinks. Uh, And 
it was impressive to me that he went out on the limb and said the things that needed to be said. I don't think that everybody's going to agree with everything that's there. I don't know that I agree with every nugget and point, but it's worth the read. It's worth going out to LinkedIn and taking a look at it because he's he's calling out some of the things that Major Austin Bryan called out. He talks about culture. He talks about manpower. He talks about acquisition. He talks about being a change agent. And he also has some other things that are, are causing him angst and, and understandably so, right? Sisyphus moments that he's had. My hope, though, is that whoever comes into this role next has a lot of moxie, right? Has a lot of uh, energy uh, and is able to keep pushing things. They're going to have to make it their own. They're not going to be a clone of Nick, right? They're going to be their own person. But I don't want to see the goodness that's been started completely lost. It'll have to, it has to evolve. It's the right time for it to evolve. But I, I do think that he he spoke what a lot of people were, were thinking. Um, again, not everybody's going to agree with everything. I don't personally agree with everything, but there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said about somebody who's a, a spark, right? He's a change agent. He's put that thought out there for people to react to. Mark, I see I see you like soaking it all in. Yeah. I mean, above all, no matter agree, disagree, the fact that he was honest and human and put it out there, I I applaud that. So, all right. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Tracy, for taking time again out of your busy schedule. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And um, we've already been talking about ideas for future episodes. So I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invite. It's always great to talk to you guys. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah. And thanks to our listeners. Um, you, you got some homework from this one. We'll get you the article that Tracy mentioned. Straight Talk is still available with the yoga sessions. Um, so share this episode, smash that like button, and we will talk to you next week on Tech Transforms. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms. Please post a review, share this episode, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.